0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Margaret.
1: And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Dr. Abby Medcalf. She is the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing and the host of the Relationships Made Easy podcast. Abby is a psychologist who has helped thousands think differently so they can create connection, ease, and joy in their relationships using her sense of humor and her direct, no-nonsense style. Welcome, Abby. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I was fangirling a little. I'm all excited. It was mutual fangirling. (laughs) That's the best. So you're here to tell us the real reason that relationships... Fail, should we guess first what we think it is? yeah, people always guess, guess, I love that well, men that's everyone's
0: number that. one guess. <laughs> <laughs> having them I'm gonna guess fighting over roles that's what I'm gonna guess. Mm.
1: I'm gonna guess like losing touch with the reason you got married in the first place or are together in the first place. those are good, losing the sense of romance, I mean, you shouldn't do the either of those things, right? yeah, right,
0: <laughs> <laughs> both of those are problems we get. <laughs>
1: They're also a problem.
2: Those reasons are absolutely there. And to me, they're a secondary reason. And the real reason that relationships fail is competition, which we end up keeping score. And especially as parents, I mean, I think there's, it really keys in them because it's, you know, I'm taking a Sophie to softball practice on Tuesday. So you have to take Jack to, you know, his piano lesson on Friday. I'm going out with my friends on Wednesday. So you can go out with your friends. You know, we tit for tat everything. And we look at each other. We miss the point that we're a shared battery and that we're the same team, So if I'm draining my partner, I'm draining myself. Mm. And it's very common, of course, in our relationships that we, when something has to happen in the house and I can't get to it, I look to my partner. I'm like, you need to do it then. And that's the problem because our partners are drained too. I know that they don't always look it. Because we, as women, I'm going to talk about heterosexual relationships for a moment. I mean, although I work with a lot of gay couples, so it, it really is very true in all relationships. But women can look at men as not, you know, doing as much as women. And we know they don't. I mean, look at the research. The Pew Research Center has tons of this research. Women do. When we get married, we gain about seven hours of work a week in the household. Mm, I'm surprised it's only seven. I am too. <laughs> So men live longer when they're married. We live less long when we're married. Hmm. So, you know, we die sooner. That's true. And it's what is. So at some point, you know, I'm not saying we don't want men to come to the table and do what they need to do. But at some point, we have to know that the emotional bandwidth, like how much people can handle is what they're doing. So when we get to those points, where we're always looking for our partner to take something off our plate. I'm always screaming. It's the same plate. Your partner can't take anything off the plate. It's the same plate. So you really have to look at two things. One is either taking things off the collective plate that you think have to happen. Like my kids, when they were young, We're not in 20 sports and activities and all the things. And my kids probably won't go to Harvard and there you go. But I'm happy and they're happy. So we chose that a lot, taking things off the plate that didn't have to happen, even though I really, really wanted them to, or adding resources from outside the couple, not between the two of us, to take care of whatever that slack is. At some point, you have to get rid of should and go, what's working and what's not? I'm tired of nagging about this. Something has to give. Right? Yeah. I always say, do you want to be correct or effective?
0: You got a choice. Mm. And that issue of same team. I mean, Amy says that often on the podcast that sometimes she and her husband, when they're, you know, in the middle of strife, especially with one of the kids, that they have a phrase that they look at each other and they will say to each other, same team. Yep. So she's obviously a parenting and marriage expert. She's doing it perfectly. (laughs) Doing it so good. But what, how do we lose that? I feel like when we stand at the altar and we're having our dreams, like, of course, we're on the same team. We love each other. It's awesome. Where does that get lost for couples? Because it seems like it should be natural, but it's certainly something that falls apart for so many of us. Yeah.
2: Well, it starts in childhood, you know, with, we always hear this 50-50 thing. So our whole lives were sort of getting ready for this. And we grew up usually watching our parents take opposite roles. I grew up in a time when, yeah, you know, my mother did work. But she was a school teacher, you know, one of the acceptable jobs at the time. But there was definitely a demarcation of where, and my dad was relatively involved, but, you know, he was a chef. He was gone most of the time. You know, he was working weird hours and gone. So, you know, we had those gender roles pretty clear. And every TV show and every movie and, you know, everything else just sort of, you know, supported that, that there's supposed to be kind of this 50 50 thing. It really is this sort of separation right away, just from that mindset. So when we come into the marriage and a lot of times we're or the relationship and a lot of times we're not, we haven't talked about these things before. I just had this the other day, the couple, he has debt, credit card debt coming into the relationship. And she said, well, he has to pay that off. That's not my debt. He's got to pay that off, right? That's part of what he has to figure out. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, look at that separation already. Are you going to have different lifestyles at home? Is he not going to be able to buy a shirt because he's paying off? Like, you're ready to have kids and share a life and buy a house and it's his debt? Like, what are we doing? Mm. You know, but that seems really natural to most people. Like, they hadn't even thought, they argued with me about it. And I was like, this is going to get underneath.
1: If you're really committing and we're like all in, what are you doing? It seems to me that the traditional sort of breakdown is less 50-50, at least in my house growing up and in my house today to a large extent, than like inside, outside. If it happens outside, (laughs) if it's the car, if it's a leaf blower, if it's a grill, if it's something that has an engine or has fire, that's my spouse. He's all over that. If it's literally anything to do with the kids or the house or the food or the right inside the house, it's me. And That's not 50-50, right? That's a traditional breakdown, but I didn't really go into raising a family thinking that it was going to be 50-50 and it isn't i just we just got home from a vacation last night we were away for a week and we were away for a week with one of our kids and one of our kids was actually home cuz so i have big kids mm-hmm. anyway as soon as we get home what always happens is the same thing my spouse goes upstairs and unpacks his suitcase while i you know greet the dog who's <laughs> frantic after a week and then answer the 100 questions of the kid and then make sure that the laptop is being charged for tomorrow and the medicine isn't laid out and you know and setting up unpack the week unpack all the suitcases including the kids right Right. The emotional suitcases. Yeah, The emotional suitcase. Exactly. And like, where does this laundry go, mom? And so my suitcase is still sitting in my bedroom. I haven't touched it yet, even though we got home last night, because that's where we settle. We just go to our separate spheres. And I don't say to him like, hey, you have to do this. He did come down at one point and say like, anything else that needs to be done? I'm like, no, not now. I'm going to bed. But there is that expectation. I don't follow him around keeping score and saying now the next time we come home I'm going to go upstairs and unpack. I don't do that, but I do, you know, take it all on and do more of it and then of course carry a tiny little bit of resentment for next time. So, just a little teeny bit. Yeah. So can we take a break and when we come back talk about why that might also be bad? Absolutely. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew and believe it or not, this will be my 13th So we're back. We're talking to relationship expert, Dr. Abby Medcalf. So Abby, before the break, we were talking about like score settling and how I took him last week. So you have to take him this week. How that's not right. And in my house, it's more of the like I do always do more. I always have done more and I get prickly and annoyed about it. And Save that for, you know, once a year or so, right? Unpack that suitcase. (laughs) To unleash. Yeah. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with doing it that way? I'm sure that's not ideal either. (laughs) Release the Kraken once a year.
2: Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the thing that gets that's also part of this is the emotional labor. And that is what women carry the vast majority of. So, you know, I had a couple I was working with a few weeks ago and the man said, Well, I get up in the night with our kids. You know, if somebody's sick, I get up too. And I said, yeah. And was there Tylenol? Was there a thermometer? Did you know the name of the doctor? Was there toilet paper? Was there like, you know, did you call into school the next day and let them know? Did you track where the work was after they missed school? Did you say, you know, and I'm listing and he's blanching. And it's like, yeah, that's all the stuff we carry. That's the emotional labor of the house. That's all the pieces and the, yeah, greeting the dog, you know, that sort of <laughs> emotional stuff. And what happens is that piece takes up a lot of our bandwidth, right? That takes up a lot of our bandwidth because we're thinking all the time of all the things. And that is where resentment can set in because again, men, and I don't want to give too broad a brushstroke, but I'm going to give one, don't really... Think of this stuff, you know, that's not, but I will also say that it's just not as important to them. Like, you know, if I would go away on a business trip and I would cook really healthy meals and I would pack them, right? And I'd have them in the freezer and you can just pop them in and da 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 da. And I, you know, he would have just assumed to order Domino's pizza every night. So I'm doing a lot of this stuff for me. I feel better doing these things, but then I'm annoyed or resentful that my partner, my husband doesn't want to do them. It's that great line from uh, that Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Aniston movie, you know, I want you to want to do the dishes, right? Like they don't (laughs) want to, nobody does. I don't want to. So there's a place where, when I really encourage people to have a different attitude, and that is of service that, and it's not just service to the family, it's service to myself. So I'll give you a great example. You know, Gary, my man, when he shaves, he you know, there's whiskers in the sink. We're familiar. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, okay. (laughs) And I've said things like, could you not leave whiskers in the sink, please? It's kind of gross, right? With the shaving cream, it's just beautiful and so sexy. And he'll, you know, he does, he rinses out the sink now, right? But when I get to the sink to brush my teeth, are there whiskers? Mm. Always, right? There's always little, he misses some. And so I used to get really upset about this. It was like, I've asked you, you know, come on, it's important, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And we define, we give all kinds of meaning to this stuff. It means he thinks I'm his maid. It means he doesn't love me. It means he doesn't right. respect me. He doesn't appreciate me, which is all BS. That's not true at all. It means that men don't see things the way women do or that your man doesn't see it the way you do. And it doesn't mean I'm right because I like the cleaner sink. I got to get over that. You know, that my way is the right way. Well, clean sink, of course that's the right way. Not necessarily. And here's the best part. I timed how long it took for me to rinse the rest of the whiskers out of the sink. Right. (laughs) And I wanted it to be 20 minutes. Yeah. That's what I wanted the number to be. But the actual average number for the week was three seconds. And I am complaining and moaning to this person, About three seconds. I realized that he is rinsing it because he does love me and care. And he heard what I was saying. And, you know, he just can't find a place in his world where that is so important that it's perfect, right? There's other things that are important to him. And so he rinsed. And then I take this three seconds as a service to myself because this is the way I like it. And, oh, I like the sink this way. How nice of Gary to have done most of it. I'm going to rinse this last bit which took me three seconds. I always say, if you're complaining to your partner about something you could hire someone for, then you're complaining about the wrong things. I didn't get married because, you know, Gary mows the lawn well. Like that was never
0: one of my list of things I had to happen, right? So you have to sort of get over that. It's predicated to some degree, and we've talked about this before, and I think it can be a little bit complicated, on an understanding that your partner actually has your best interests at heart. And I think that yes. if you can stay in that place, but that what bleeds into this sometimes is that maybe sometimes people have partners that maybe don't really care, maybe are being passive aggressive, maybe are bringing whatever they're angry issue is. That's right. Because I've had this a lot with my husband and I will say my husband, I will say for him, he is extraordinarily coachable. We've talked early on about some of the gifts (laughs) that I received from my husband early on that were Uh misguided to say it kindly, but that I was able to sit down and talk to him and say, you know, I buy gifts for 20 people and you buy gifts for me. And so I don't want my gifts to feel like an afterthought. I want you to put I want you to set a reminder on your phone a month before and put time and effort into it. Here are three people who you can call my sister, my aunt, whoever it is. Like I'm willing to walk you through the steps of making this better. But my husband is, he actually really wants to please me. I mean, he always says like the worst thing in the world, just to see your face fall when I give you something bad. He doesn't want that experience. Right. So What's the role in terms of understanding that, like that foundation that takes you to a place where you can say, I'm going to rinse the whiskers out and understand that he's really doing his best and he really does love me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Again, I think they're two separate things. So if my partner is passive aggressive, let's say, and left the whiskers in the sink on purpose, oh, wow, poor baby. Really? This is the way you feel powerful, leaving whiskers in a sink? Mm-hmm. I feel compassion for you. I feel like we have a lot to talk about that has nothing to do with whiskers. Mm. I feel like I want to talk to you about how you best feel loved and supported by me. Love is always the answer, you know, leaning in with love, leaning in with compassion, leaning in with kindness. Because, you know, I've been passive aggressive before. I'm sure
0: you guys (laughs) haven't because you're fabulous. I have occasionally been passive aggressive. It's true.
2: You know, it's because I was hurting. It's not because I'm evil. There's this 1% of true narcissists, true evil people. I get it. But the vast majority, I mean, the overwhelming majority, we are married, if it's men, to men who want to please us. They do. They hate when we're upset. They can't stand it. Yeah. So that's what's going on. They just really don't even know how to approach this issue. And what does happen is that they're often getting us or after them for so many things they're not doing right, that they could like this, Gary be like, I rinse out the sink and it's not even good enough. I did, right, right. Nothing I do is good enough. I did the kitchen and nothing's good enough. You know, she pointed out the pan I missed or you didn't sweep the floor or you didn't. And I usually tell women in these instances, I'm like, give it a grade. That's what I did with the sink. I thought, what is the grade I would give this, right? If I was a teacher and you did this and you handed in this assignment, you'd probably get a B plus. You did most of it. So I'm really complaining and I'm upset and not feeling love. Like, I need to look at me. I take this as a sign that this person doesn't love me when he
1: gave me this B-plus sink. I've been grading things as a pass-fail, I'm realizing. (laughs) Like, we have a joke around here that you get a zero, like, if you put (laughs) the eggy pan in the sink to soak, quote unquote, soak. And it's still there 24 hours later. Like there are no bees. That's a zero. You get a zero or a hundred. But I need to give that maybe a 75. Amy, and you're going to lose your catchphrase if you're not careful. You get a
0: zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I've been very binary about it. But what do I get out of that except the grim satisfaction that I'm being taken advantage of yet again? Right. That's cold comfort.
2: Oh, it's like such an icky way to be in our relationships that we're worried. And that's what I hear from people. They go, Well, what if he takes advantage of me? It's like, really? That's what you're worried about? This person that you pledged your life to, this person you had children with and bought a house and did all these things? What are you talking about? Do you really think, really, 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 that he's up at night going, ooh, how can I get over tomorrow? I know what I'm gonna do. I hate her. Can't
0: wait to <laughs> get <laughs>
2: I'm going to leave you up here in the sink. I know it drives her crazy. We assign all this meaning. We label it. We decide all these things when nothing could be... I talk to men a lot. I mean a lot. And they just don't mean. I'm just... Again, occasionally I hit a narcissist or somebody, but it's so rare. They really didn't see that the gar- they cleaned the bathroom and the garbage can was full and they didn't empty it. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, we, we do. Yes. Familiar. And what I try to remind people is that there's a thing in relationships, there's momentum. And if you think of, you know, those little, I don't know if they still have them on the playground in my day, they did those little carousel things with the bars on them and you'd spin really fast on it. Do you know what I'm talking about? You'd like run next to it and you'd jump on, right? Yeah. I can't believe those were ever a thing, but yes, I remember them well. Go flinging off. I know, right? (laughs) So, and if you remember trying to jump on when it was spinning really fast, what would happen to you? Oh, It wasn't pretty. I broke an arm once doing this. Yeah, you the metal and there was hard playgrounds in my day and you'd get your butt kicked. This is us and our partners all day. We are each spinning at a certain kind of momentum and we're mm-hmm. expecting other people to be at our momentum all the time. And they're not. And that's the famous thing of like, you walk into the room maybe and your partner's watching TV or on his computer and you say, hey, can you um, take out the garbage later? And he goes, uh-huh. And it never happens because you didn't have his attention. He was spinning really slow and you were spinning like this and he never got on. He never got on. And then later, again, we're like, I asked you, you said, yeah, you know, and we're just losing it over this thing. And again, it's, we have to understand that. And this is true for our children too, by the way, you know, we have to slow our momentum enough to allow people on the carousel mm, with us. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> if we want to play, <laughs> we got to slow down. And I know we're, we're like doing this. If you want the top of the crazy town heap, that's where I live. And so I am like going at a ridiculous pace all the time. And yeah, most people are watching me spin by and really like, I'm not playing, like I'm not even getting on. And then we take that as dispassion or not loving us or not caring what we care about. And they just don't even know where to enter. You know, they just don't even know how to play with where we are. So we got to slow down the momentum.
0: I have a tip for that one. When I ask my husband to do stuff and I can see that nobody's home and he's spinning really slowly, I'll say to him, would you just do one thing for me? Set a reminder on your phone because he lives by his watch and his phone. So then I'll say like, hey, will you remember that you need to set up that thing for scouts? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I I won't walk away until I say, could you just set a quick reminder on your phone? Because then the phone will tell him and I don't have to keep bothering him about it. I love it. Isn't that nice? Get out of the middle. You know, I've also told couples it's really
2: helpful to set up a weekly, I call it a couple's business meeting. Mm. And you keep a Google Doc and you both throw things on there. And once a week you meet, because otherwise it's all week. You're like, could you do this? Could you do this? Oh, we got to call the guy. Oh, we have to do the thing. Oh, we because we're holding all that. Yes. Yes. And men perceive that as a lot of nagging and a lot of which they really hate being told what to do. Men, and being told what to do. Again, I say with love to all the men. And I'm not, I don't enjoy getting told what to do either, but I take it very differently. I don't take it as an assault on my womanhood. And, you know, there's a whole different thing that goes on. So when you have this thing and you just sit every week and go, Hey, you know, who's doing this? You also have like a date when it's going to get finished. You have what you said. And in my home, when the thing doesn't happen by the date we had set, I call a guy. Hmm. Mm. I just call a guy. We know that that's what's going to happen. I don't remind him one more time. I don't cajole at the end. I just call the guy and it goes and gets fixed. And I usually hear something like, oh my God, the door, I was going to get to the dog door and fix it. It's like, yeah, you know, we had it on the, I don't say it angrily. I'm like, oh, remember we had it on the list. It didn't happen. You know, I just called the guy. No sweat. You had a lot on your plate.
0: I have heard a lot of feedback from our Facebook group in talking about this. And I want to push back on one thing when we come back from this break.
1: More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. Whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, sports research hydrate electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder.
0: Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate.
1: Fresh for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Amy, you know
0: me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut
1: butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing.
0: We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It So I am a big fan of the weekly meeting. My husband and I are big meters. We have a Google doc with a to-do list, which is basically something I stole from the way Amy and I work together that rather than text, did you do it? Did you do it? We have a central doc. We both go and that's where it is. And so my husband and I have adopted that as well. And it's been really helpful, especially during the pandemic, kind of like, let's stop having 800 conversations about this faucet. And it's like, Hey, can you check the doc today? Because you'll see that it's there again. It has the other thing from the phone of like, it's not me. It's the doc telling you. But I can hear people thinking to themselves, this all seems like running a business together. It doesn't seem very romantic. We used to have fun and now we're supposed to spend our days on spreadsheets. What do you say to people who feel resistant to it because it feels very unfun? It is a business.
2: <laughs> yes. Your household is absolutely a thousand percent a friggin' business and we are the CEOs of it. Let's be real. And, you know, and that's the problem. We don't want to be the CEOs. We want to, right? We want to co-facilitate <laughs> that somehow. And if anything, it does the opposite. When you're not like nagging, what again, what your men perceive as nagging all the time, they like us better. They talk nicer to us. They engage us differently. The compassion comes back. The love comes back. Because every single day, I'm not going, oh, you didn't do this thing. it didn't do this thing. it didn't do this thing. I got to remind him. I got to, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. I believe the opposite happens. And the thing is only... It's a half hour a week. You're sitting or maybe 45 minutes a week. I tell people not to do long meetings, like try to keep it short because you're just sort of going over. And you have to have a system for how that happens after, which is why I have that. If it doesn't happen in two weeks, I call a guy and it's just done. And there's no madness about it, though. I get this was just too much. You know, we thought we could do it. We were optimistic about it. It couldn't happen. So that's fine. You know, we got to move on with our lives. So it takes out all the that labeling stuff. To me, it does just the opposite. And not just for me personally, I don't even even mean that. I mean, for the literally tens of thousands of people I've worked with, it takes everybody. It's like a revelation. Like, oh my God, this is so much better.
1: I want to pivot, Abby, to what happens when you really don't have a partner, either literally don't have a partner, you're doing this yourself, or you have a partner who really doesn't show up, even when you ask nicely, even when you have a meeting, even when you write, there are some marriages where that's just the case. And you literally wrote a book for this to how to be happily married, even if your partner really doesn't show up. So I want to talk about some of your approaches for that, because I loved something you say in the book about thinking of your day as being based in apps, like apps on your phone instead of in hours. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Oh, yeah. So our whole happiness, every bit of your happiness is based on your willpower. That's it. Because your ability to resist urges is the core of your happiness. If I want to be more productive, I have to resist the urge to scroll through Facebook, right? If I want to be, you know, thinner, I have to resist the urge to finish the donut. I have everything. If I want a happier relationship, I have to resist the urge to snipe or be passive aggressive, right? Whatever, or even in a moment to remind him to do something, you know, because of my anxiety. Resisting urges is the cornerstone of a very happy life. And what happens is that our willpower is an exhaustible resource. You wake up with the most you're going to have. And that's if you've had a good night's sleep. And then you wear it down all day. And the things that eat at your willpower are every decision you make, every one of them. That's why habits are great or healthy habits are great because we don't decide. We just do it. Every frustration you have, every negative thought that comes your way, commuting, all that stuff is what wears down your willpower all day. So the more, so when you can think of your day instead of like in 24 hours, that's what I say, like, that's a lie. Instead, think of it as, how much willpower, how much it's really your bandwidth, your emotional bandwidth, do I have to expend? Because we all know, every single person listening has said, oh, tonight I'm going to go to the gym. You know, I get home from work at this time and then I do this. I'll have four hours till I go to bed or I'm going to work on this project or I'm going to whatever. And then 6, 6.30 comes. All you want to do is veg out and do nothing. You don't want to go to the gym. You don't want to go do anything. You have hours left in your day. You don't have mind left in your day. And that's what I say all the time. So it's not how many hours are in your day. It's how much mind is in your day. So when you have a lot going on, you have to take that into consideration. So I never again want to hear anyone say we have time for that. It's in the same way when couples come to me for couples therapy, it's one of the first things I'm there. i like, what have you taken off? You're already full plate. Full plate we have brimming, falling over. And now I'm adding therapy. And they say to me, oh, we got the hour a week or whatever. And I'm like, you have to like use your head in this. You've got to have the patience to use the tools, find the kindness, which comes again from our willpower because we feel like we can do it. If you don't have that, if you're already just sticking this on top of everything, and it's really the reason a lot of couples therapy fails, people do it at the very end of the day. They're exhausted. Think of that even. It's not even a priority to do earlier. I won't even take an hour off of work. Because it has to be at the very end. We throw it at the very end of our day and expect great results. It's not what's going to happen. We're exhausted. So I don't even see couples past three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, you're paying good money to see me. Guess what? You're going to come earlier. You're going to make it a priority. And you know what? I've got, I get great results. And I think a lot of it's just from that mind shift of putting it earlier. But when you think about in your relationship, that emotional bandwidth, and that's why I say take things off the plate, because you're already full and you're trying to be kinder or nicer or, you know, do something with your kids. People look at this 24 hours and they're like, oh, I can keep squeezing more in. It doesn't work here. And that's why we get depressed and angry. and upset and all the things. So you have to start looking at your day as how much bandwidth you have, not how much time is in it. No should be a very common word in your vocabulary (laughs) if you are working on a new habit. And I will say this too. When you create a new habit that's a healthy one, like working out or meditating or something, it adds willpower units to your day. We'll call them units, right? You actually wake up with more willpower when you've slept really well, when you've been meditating, exercising, eating well. You do. What nobody tells you is that when you're creating a new habit, Mm. it drains your willpower because it's all new, all these new decisions. And the mistake people make is they take on a lot of new habits at once, like working out and eating perfectly. That's why it fails all the time just do one, just pick one for three months. I'm telling you, it's the I've joined countless gyms in my life. I have often been swimming at the YMCA, but I only go twice a year, you know, so it's costing me like $400 for this backstroke. And I'm thinking this is really not smart. And so once I just did that and didn't touch my food for a while, I finally start I now have a I work out you know, I and I hate it still, but I do it. You know what I mean? I just I took one at a time. And you have to do that. If you're working on your relationship, you can't you got to look at your life, where's it going to fit? You can't squeeze it in. Because again, the bandwidth's not there. So you got to look and go, what can I take off the plate while I'm really trying to focus on this thing? Even and think about it just for three months.
1: So it's not forever. And are you taking off the plate expectations? Just going back to this person who's like, I wish my partner was more helpful around the house did respond to my pleasant requests for more support around yep. cleaning up after dinner, whatever it is, you're not getting it. And so if that were me, I'd be here this and be like, I can't take everything off my plate. The whole point is I you know, work 40 hours a week and then I come home and I do everything around here and my partner won't cooperate. How do I do less? What's the answer to that? Is it the expectation that you're putting down? Yeah, you do. I
2: mean, you might not have healthy meals every single night. You might order in a little more. If you're lucky enough to have a cleaning person, they might also do the laundry or come twice a week for a while. Again, I usually tell people to try things for three months to really go all in, because I will say this, and I say this in the book too, But and this is huge. So our conscious brains process information at a rate of 50 bits per second, while our subconscious or unconscious brains process information at a rate of 11 million bits per second. So your partner doesn't hear what you say, they hear what you mean. So if I'm coming to them and I am full of resentment and upset and anger and passive aggressiveness and everything else, and even though I'm like, hey, babe, could you please take out the, you know, please, they are picking up on that. They 11 million bits, people like they get it. And so what happens is what I find is that people will try a new tool. They'll go like, okay, I'm gonna do this setting intention thing. Appy says it's so great. And they do it for a little bit. But the whole time, they're doubting Oh, our problems are really big. This isn't going to work. You know, he's going to go back to the way he was a leopard doesn't change its spots. So we do this whole thing. And guess what, our partner is picking up on this energy. And so they don't change because they're kind of like, What's going on over there? You know, they don't say it, but they're waiting for us. Oh, she's being nice now. Let's see how long this lasts. And guess what? After a week, you give up because he didn't change. And he goes, see, Mm -hmm. I knew it. You can't get invested in the outcome. You have to be invested in your process because I feel better when I'm kinder. I like myself more when I'm compassionate. I like myself more when I'm patient, you know, because we do. We hate when we feel like, Naggy, yucky women. We, ah, it's the worst feeling. It's not any of us want or like. So when we start to really act different and be, just be different, it doesn't matter what they're perceiving. It doesn't matter what they think. It matters what, you know, right? What's happening here. And that's how things start to shift and change. And everyone knows this is true because you have talked to somebody and maybe in, at work who was saying all the right things, but you were the whole time going, they are full of it. Like not, you're like, who is that? They're so, you could feel how fake they were, even though everything they said was okay, the way they said it was okay, but you picked up, that is your 11 million bits. We call it hunches, we call it gut, call it whatever you want. That is our 11 million bits. And your partner is picking up on yours. So you've got to get in alignment with just being this way, not for them to change, that's manipulation, not for them to do something, again, manipulation, but for you. And I'm just telling you 37 years of doing this and 23 now, I think of just this, you know, and I will tell you that that's where the miracle happens. That is where people finally feel accepted. Unconditional love is BS. Mm. It's unconditional acceptance. That's what makes us feel loved. If we don't feel accepted, we do not feel loved. If I tell my child I love them, but they say they're gay and I say, I don't accept that you're gay. Guess what? They're not going to feel loved. Mm. It doesn't work that way. And our partners are the same and we're the same.
0: We want to be accepted for who we are. And you got to start somewhere. I love that. We've been talking to Dr. Abby Medcalf. Abby, tell us where people can find you and uh, find your book. Everything is on my fabulous website, which... Just got redone with
2: so many pictures of me that I can't even look at it, but there they are. So <laughs> <laughs> so go look and laugh at me, do your thing. But it's really, it's abbymedcalf.com. I'm sure you'll link to it in your notes. And it's just a, it's M-E-D as in Donald. It's Medcalf, not Metcalf, but it's abbymedcalf.com. All my stuff's there. Everything. There's a lot of free stuff too. There's a learned optimism jumpstart workshop where you like take the test. There's meditation and mindfulness starter kits. They're free. They're really free. I'm not sleazy. You don't have to put in a credit card. There's nothing weird. Free, free. You know, and then I have a weekly Relationships Made Easy where I just send inspiration once a week. I'm not selling anything or doing anything. I'm just trying to keep people on track.
0: So you can sign up there too. Awesome. Thanks so much for talking to us today. This was a great conversation. Thanks, Abby. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful.